We've been in this series called BYOG, Bring Your Own God. And no, I'm not checking my email. I'm setting a timer so I can see this because John made no bones about it. It's strict. You've got 12 minutes. Get in, get it, get out because I need the rest of the time for myself. Fair enough. I get that. No, I'm glad to be part of it. Bring your own God. And we talked about that. There are some people that genuinely believe that the Sunday-only God God's happy with that. You come here Sunday only for an hour. This is your only time you get to spend with God. The only time you crack the word of God, the only time you pray is Sunday only, and somehow God's pleased with that. Bring your own God. That's a misconception. What about the disciplinarian God? God is up there just looking down. He cannot wait for you and I to screw up so he can discipline. That's his whole purpose in life is to discipline his children. But some people really believe that, and they live that way. And then the helicopter God, just that, that kind of helicopter, just kind of hovers over, you know, that helicopter parent that John talked about. And today I want to talk to you about the grandpa God. Now, understand that God's not a grandfather. We get that. He doesn't have grandchildren. He is a father. But that's a common long-term use of a word. We get, we get that. It's, a, it's an understandable idea. Let me read something in Jeremiah 31. It says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Everlasting love, unfailing. So it's a long-term love. That kind of sounds like a grandfather, that everlasting love. And so it's like, okay, we kind of get the concept of that. And then we're just using that as an analogy. But the grandfather God is this grandfather that loves to say yes and very seldom says no. And as a papa, I get that concept very nicely. It's a God who loves to say yes, very seldom says no, but there's, there's a little bit of a tension there because he loves to do that, but every once in a while, grandpa's got to say no, and so there's some tension there. And the other misconception about the grandpa is that he's old, he's out of touch. Any idea that he had long ago was for a previous generation. So I'm going to unpack the first part of this, that a God... The grandpa God who loves to say yes and very seldom says no, and then John's going to tackle the rest part of that. Now, let me just be honest just for a second. Take a minute and 30 seconds of my wonderful 12 minutes that have been given to me. John sends me his notes on this, and then he sends me Tom Ellsworth's notes, and then he sends me Sean Green's notes, and I think, what am I doing up here? No, I'm being serious. You can laugh. I gave you permission because you're right. You're thinking, good grief. And I read over these guys' notes, especially Tom, Pastor Tom, Mr. Ellsworth, whatever the appropriate word is. I, I, the guy is so articulate and just so, man, unbelievable. And I'm thinking there's no reason why I should even be up here. Other than the fact that I'm probably the greatest papal that's ever lived, and that gives me some authority there. I mean, I've got the greatest grandkids. Come on, listen. I've got the most beautiful grandkids. Put that picture up there, brother. Look at that. Listen, you guys can't compete with this, and you know it. I mean, you know you cannot compete with this. I mean, those are the most beautiful grandchildren that's ever lived, man, I'm telling you. But I think I understand why I'm here. And I'm going to tell you here in just a moment. I think I figured it out last night. It's like, okay, God, I get this. Let me read you a scripture in Ephesians 3. John's going to take 
uh, a portion of this. I want, I want to take the first part of that. He's going to tackle the second part. It says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us. King James says, above what we are able to ask or think. Let me just, let me just stop here and say something. This series that we've been doing is really, it's important. It's foundational. I really think so. Because if you don't have the right concept of God, if you have a misconception of God, then you're just going to be, I don't know if you guys have ever built anything. I built this little shack, this little studio shack outside my, the back of my house. And, and I got the thing going, Chris, and I was off about that much at being square. And it's like, that ain't that much, quarter of an inch. And by the time I got to the other side on the roof, oh, my word. I mean, I'm having to scab on pieces of wood and push things over and get some help because I was so far off. And that's the way have you get a, your idea of God started off wrong and you keep building that over years and years and time. And listen, you're going to be off. You're going to have some problems. That's why I think it's very, very important. Seven minutes. I got it really good. All right. The God who loves to say yes, Solomon says no. I picked Sophia up from school one time. And I typically take these, you know, take, pick them up one time. And so she goes, Pat Ball, you got any money? Well, a little, I guess, you know. Can I have a little drink? <laughs> she was one of those little, little grape thing, four ounces. So I go in the circle, K, and I'm bringing back 10, 20 ounce bottles of Coke and a big 64 ounce big gulp with the straw as big as an air, an air tube, you know. And I want to give her a seatingly above what she asks or think. I don't want to give her a little drink. Then she does this thing, little passive aggressive thing. Sure would be nice to have a little snack with this. <laughs> of course, you know, I'm, I'm start, I get my tape measure out and see how many Little Debbie snack cakes I can get in my back seat, you know, because I'm going to give her above what she asked her thing, you know. So that's what, that's what grandfathers do. They go beyond that. And here's where I think why I'm here. I'm reading Tom's notes. I'm reading John's notes. I'm reading Sean's notes. And they, I think they make an error here. Because they go on the assumption that we all believe this. That we all believe that God is able to go above and beyond what we ask or think. What if you don't believe that? And i got to be honest, it hasn't been too awful long ago. I think, God likes to say yes and seldom says no. I'm trying to get God to say hi. Let alone Yes. And it's been difficult sometimes. It goes above exceedingly beyond what I ask or think. Not in my house. Anybody ever felt that? Don't raise your hand. I cannot be the only one that wonders, God, how come I don't see this? Why is it I don't feel this? The danger of you know, God saying yes all the time and, and, and him possibly saying no, that's not even a real possibility in my life. So I just wonder, because of, of my past, things I've been going through, listen, this is where we got to get. Our, my foundation was wrong. God does love me. He does love me like a father and a grandfather. He does want to give you exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can ask or think. Listen, I think what's happened to us is that we, our gospel has been Americanized. 
And we think these things are all about money and wealth and possessions. Listen, my middle son and his wife, when they first got married, there were some dark times. I mean, we're talking midnight calls, police that are involved, words that are said. I mean, bitterness, hatred, ugly times. And I'm asking God, Lord, just help them. Please help them not to kill each other tonight. But then God restores their marriage. They're so in love. They even, just five years after their original marriage, they had a renewal because they, they're gloriously saved, serving the Lord. Their kids are just amazing. Grandkids, I get it. But they're amazing. I mean, God has done exceedingly, abundantly what I could even possibly think or ask. All my kids serve the Lord. My grandkids are now serving the Lord. My, I still have both my parents. I mean, he has done, he says yes to so many things. But because we think that it's all about money and stuff, sometimes we just, but there is a danger about the, the grandpa God saying yes. And seldom says no, because occasionally he does say no. Oh, I got I to gotta go through this. Uh, throw up that Titus 2 slide. Let me read this to you. For the grace of God, listen to this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now listen. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It teaches us to say no. Have you ever met one of those kids that were never, ever told no by their parents and by their grandparents? What do we call those kids? Brats. Brat, I was thinking spoiled. Someone said spoiled back there. Brats works, Okay. Nobody likes a kid that's spoiled like that, that never has learned, has never heard the word no. But God doesn't want us to be that way. Sometimes he has to say no. There's a tension between love and truth there. 2.9 million children in the United States now live with their grandparents for various reasons. Now listen to this. 40% of that, nearly 3 million kids, 40%. Are there because their parents are either incarcerated or they're unfit or they're dead because of substance abuse. 40%. And I can't help but think somewhere along the line there, they were never told no. And they weren't able to say no to the ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled lives. That's why it's so important on this foundation to understand that God wants to, yes, you got to get this part right. God loves us. He wants to bless us. He wants to say yes to so many things. But occasionally he has to say no. As much as I love my girls, one thing I'm not going to tolerate is disrespect or disobedience. They are going to get told no. And that's the same thing with God. Sometimes he can't tolerate what's going on in our lives, so he has to say no, and there's a tension there. But we've got to believe that he wants to say yes, that he does love us. He wants to give us beyond what we could ask or think. But if we don't hear the word no, we're not going to be able to say no to the worldly lusts and to live self-controlled lives. That's why it's so important to have the right concept of the grandpa God. 
Does that make sense? All right. Mike's so exaggerating. I, I, it actually was 10 minutes. But anyway, it's good. He got, he went. Try to get that done. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's good for ministers to, you know, promote and market things. So anyway, next week's the Buddy Walk. And it's across the street, the county fair at 1 o'clock. And if you love Jesus, you need to be there. So anyway, there we go. Um, <laughs> this is the point. Uh, and by the way, I didn't, I didn't want to pull that emotional card. You know, Mike showed his grandkids. Said I, I wasn't going to show my grandkids. I'm really not. I will next week. Uh, so anyway, uh, this one is critical. And that is uh, the grandpa God that's out of touch. And that is this image. And, I, and I've got to be honest. I think sometimes with the older generation, our society is not very good, the way they treat our older generation. We're going to talk a little bit about why that is so wrong. Uh, and I hate the idea that the older generation and our culture is out of touch because they're not out of touch at all. Uh, but we're going to talk about what it means when you feel that way about God, because really that opinion is God isn't relevant in my everyday life. I mean, I have this grand idea that he's like a grandpa, he's loving and he's gentle, but I mean, really relevant with my everyday life, like the struggles that Mike just shared. Um, is God really interested when um, my life is like a train wreck? I mean, is he really relevant? And he is. Psalms 145, 13 says this, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your domain endures through all generations. Now, I did a little commentary work, uh, Barnes commentary, and I want to read briefly. He talks about this verse. I love this. He says this, the meaning of Psalms 145.13 is that the reign of God will continue forever and ever. It will never pass away as other dominions do. It will not change as dynasties do among people. It will not be overthrown as nations are. No, the kingdom of God's principles will stand firm forever and ever. And the second part of that Ephesian text, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us to him, be the glory to the church in Christ Jesus throughout, here's the key, all generations, all generations. God is greater than our desires. God is greater than our dreams. God breaks down any generational difference. He is not bound by time. Now we are. And sometimes what we do is we put people in compartments according to their generation. So if it's okay with you, I just kind of want to walk through. This morning, uh, we have at least five generations here. Did you know that? Look around. It's true. So we're going to make fun of each one of them. And there's a remarkable book. Uh, we were in a, a study group uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, this book came up. It's called Generational IQ by Hayden Shaw, and it is just outstanding. And I think it is important that we understand each other. We need to start with trying to understand each other. So I'm going to start with the first generation that's here. You don't have to raise your hand. That's anyone here born before... 1945, and that group is called the Traditionalist, and uh, yeah, Marshall, yeah, thank you. Uh, it's also called the Greatest Generation. What shaped the Greatest Generation? Anybody? They went through some minor world events. Anybody know what they went through? <laughs> world War I, the Great Depression, 
World War II. Uh, and you know what their, I think their number one trait is? They were mature beyond measure. They didn't really have a childhood. Uh, they didn't have time to have a childhood. I mean, and I'll tell you about that generation. They're the toughest generation. When they start something, they finish it. Uh, and I just can't tell you how much I appreciate and cherish that generation. I grew up with this generation. Um, uh, my mom, when she passed away in 2008, uh, I made a promise to my mom at her funeral that if I ever had a funeral from that point forward of anybody of this generation, that I would personally thank everybody in the room from that generation because we stand on their shoulders. I'm just telling you, uh, if you don't realize that, you need to realize that. Uh, don't get annoyed because they're shuffling too slow in the store. You need to realize without them, we wouldn't be here, okay? Sorry, I didn't mean to get on my uh, pulpit. Well, I guess I did. Okay, so anyway... <laughs> Uh, now, here's what's interesting about uh, the greatest generation is when they came back from the war, they wanted to change the world. They wanted to make their neighborhoods better, their communities better, and so that is when there was a flood. They've never had more attendance in community service. The Rotary Club, the Kiwanis, uh, churches were never as strong as they were with that generation. Why? Because they knew what war could do. They knew it could kill the world. And so they were going to make their homes better. The GI Bill, I mean, I could go on and on about that generation. And we need to learn that there are other cultures that are much better than we are in the United States honoring this generation. Native Americans, for example, uh, one of their traditions is the focus is about listening. And they will always bring the elders of the tribe in before they make any major decision about their community or about ceremonies. And they always say the number one trait is listen. I love that. Uh, it's interesting, in Korea, they have a celebration called the Huan Gap. It's having a massive celebration when somebody turns 60. Can I have an amen, all right? If you're, <laughs> if you're creeping up on 60, you know how important it is. But there is a blind spot. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.10 says this, do not say, why were the old days better than these? Uh, my mother-in-law uh, passed away, and I just loved her so much. And she used to say this all the time. She'd say, you know what drives, she'd always say, you know what drives me crazy about old people? And I'm like, well, you're old. My mom used to do the same thing. And she said, they always talk about the good old days. Well, here's the thing about the good old days. They weren't all good. And that's true. I mean, it was, a, isn't air conditioning a good thing? You know, I mean, just think, there's a lot of good things. Okay, uh, baby boomers, this is my generation. 1946 to 1964, uh, what shaped them? The hope of a better world. Uh, it was the birth of highways, TV, rock and roll. And you know what this generation is known for? Go big or go home. We had money and we had clout. Do you know why we're called the boomers? Anybody raise your hand if you know why we're called the boomers, right? Just yell it out. There's a lot of us, okay? There are a lot of us. Just in numbers alone, now this is unreal, this is, <laughs> this is really deep. Gerber baby food in 1941 sold 2.7 million cases. In 1947, 15 million cases. A lot of baby booming. Okay, there's a lot going on. Now, what happens is this huge generation just actually kind of got crazy. Where their parents were extremely conservative, they are like, eh, let's loosen up. If your home is, you know, 1,500 square feet, 
let's try 3,000 square feet. And they just drove everything. And as long as the economy was strong, no problem. But the economy wasn't always strong. Our generation, to be honest, is not a real content generation. You can't buy everything. Uh, we're pretty much the ones that were the workaholics, because you, you work more, you make more, you make more, you just, and this endless cycle. And uh, so here's the blind spot. Psalms 23.1, this is my prayer for my, <laughs> my generation. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All we need is the Lord. Gen X. Now, this generation was born 1965 to 1980, roughly. And uh, this is what's sad. They are shaped by debt. Raise your hand if you're Gen X. Raise your hand. We have some Gen Xs there. Okay. Here's what I mean by debt. Uh, our generation spent like crazy, kind of drove the uh, next generation down the hole a little bit. And uh, we didn't worry about it. But Gen X, now they do have to worry about it. Now, what do I mean by debt? Uh, Purchasing homes actually was on a major decline in this season. Uh, here's how much it decreased. 28% of rental properties went up. So people started saying, I can't even afford this. Okay? And so here's what else happened. And all of you in this room, this is perfect at CSF is here. By the way, let's give them a huge hand. It's awesome. <laughs> this is when this trend began. 1965 to 1980, college tuition increased fourfold. Now, I want you to think about what that does. All of a sudden, there is debt. There's debt with college, with mortgages, credit cards. The average American now owns $16,000 in debt with credit card. So Gen X uh, were smaller, much smaller than the baby boomers, and so they weren't radically challenging the system. They did it through mass media and sarcasm, and they do it really well. <laughs> And so if you think about The Simpsons, if you think about the Jon Stewart show, yeah, okay, they took all these media outlets and they're like, we will be heard. Um, and they did an amazing job. Now here's their strength, and this really is a strength. I can tell you, working over the years with this generation, here's what they've taught me, uh, teamwork. And I heard this quote, I thought it was interesting, it was, uh, Gen X disdains top-down leadership in the workplace. In other words, they say, let's collaborate. Our voices all need to be heard. Uh, I don't like one person telling me, do this. Let's just talk about how we can do it together and do it better. If I had one thing, and here's another, what I say is a blind spot, and this one really is sad. This comes from PR Newswire 2016. They interviewed nationally uh, Gen X, a lot of Gen Xers, and here's what they found. Two-thirds were very anxious, very anxious about finances, about their kids' security, about the future, to the point they're actually, they're losing a lot of sleep. They're just stressing. The anxiety is so high. I asked some Gen Xers this morning, uh, friends, I said, if, if you could sum up, like, your voice, what, what is it everybody needs to hear? And I love this. It says, you're not forgotten. That's good. You're, you matter. You've, you're so valuable. And here's the fun one. Millennials. People like to make fun of them. I love them. Because <laughs> uh, I have kids that are also called Gen Y, also called the Echo Boomer, because now the birth rates are booming up again. Uh, you're not going to guess what the number one driving force. Anybody want to guess? Technology. 
Now, I want you to think about the world that they were born into and the world that a lot of us are born into. Just think about it. From Kodachrome, remember those little cameras with the little wheel on it? My mom could never take a good picture. You know, Mom, take the picture, please. Okay, moment's over. Okay, so to now what? Digital. Uh, we went from pen and paper to a laptop. We went from a home phone with a 40-foot line. Remember that? And now we have the smartphones. The world got smaller. And we went from community service to Facebook. And so this is an amazing generation. And I see so many strengths with multitasking. Matter of fact, if you're in a meeting uh, with millennials, here's what I love about them. Uh, you're, you're, you've got an idea. And before you finish the idea, they're like, yeah, 17 people have already thought that. Thank you. Okay, and they can, they're so rapid fire with the knowledge, and we can learn from their zeal and their passion. And then for just a moment, here's the blind spot. Is, uh, in Acts 2, it says that as the church was born, that community matters so much. So this would be my, this is from my heart, really, is the real community matters more than the virtual community flesh and blood. Uh, I know that there's a big drive now for the virtual church. I'll just be honest with you. I don't, I don't see it. And the reason why is we need each other. We all desperately need each other. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said this, things must first be loved and improved afterwards. Even the youngest generation, which is now called Gen Z, 2001 to present, shaped by 9-11, the crash of 2008, it goes on and on. Uh, they have such a passion for life. Tim Elmore said this about Gen Z, that's our youngest generation. He said, I love Gen Z. Uh, they're, this is interesting, of all the generations, they're most like, anybody wanna guess? The greatest generation. And they said, because they actually think they're gonna change the world. But here's what he said, I love Gen Z, they wanna change the world. The only problem is, they want to do it by noon Friday, okay? It just, okay, and I think that's a great, great quote. 15, 20 years ago, uh, I know it was a minister trying to be edgy, and I, for life, I can't remember where I was. When I was driving, I saw this. But it, in big, bold letters, and he was hip. I mean, he was, he was like me. So he was just this real hip guy, and on it said, uh, come visit our church, not your grandpa's church. And I'm like, first of all, I thought, Jesus, I'm so sorry. You're a jerk. Okay, Jesus, forgive me. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I thought, what do you mean? It's not my grandpa. Now, I know what he's trying to say is, uh, if you come to our church, we're edgy. And da, 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 da. But I tell you what, that's not the church. The church isn't one age only. The church is a family. And I go back to this one fact is we all need each other. We need to learn about each other. We need to know what makes us anxious. We need to know what we hurt. We need to know what we cry about because we are a family. And the church that strives to be a family, to recognize all ages, it matters. You know, when we put this schedule together, uh, you would think we coordinated this, that CSF was here today, but we didn't. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I love the fact that they're here and lifting up their voices at Christ and I tell you, there are churches that don't even let young people on the stage. They hardly let them. I mean, it's ridiculous. I just love the fact that we do this. I want to share something that uh, uh, came over the line uh, that I love. 
and it talks about this, uh, the need that we need with each other. And the reality is this, is God loves us so much. He's with us. He's always been with all generations. This is by uh, Helen uh, Malakote, and she said this. She penned these words as if God was speaking into the lives to sure that he is relevant. Here's, here's what she said. My name is I Am. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it's hard. I am not there. My name is not I was. And when you live in the future with its problems and fears, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not I will be. But when you live in this moment, it's not hard. I am here. My name is I am. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It doesn't matter if you're 15. It doesn't matter if you're 95. You brought struggles and pain into this room. And those pains need to be shared because that's what family does. It's interesting. Last week we talked about Joshua. And in Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 10, uh, it says that basically Joshua served the Lord and then within two generations, they were no longer following the Lord. If we don't get serious about this, we're a generation away from losing. And if you talk to missionaries in Europe, you know they're losing. Do you know why? Because churches are, have become museums. They're just buildings that people visit. Why? Because they didn't learn how important it was that generations come together in family in the name of Jesus Christ and change the world. That's why. We need to realize that we are here for a reason. We're family. So I want to close with this. One of the coolest things actually happened here a few minutes ago because I just realized it. So years ago when I was a youth minister, I know you guys have a hard time believing that. I was actually a youth minister. I had these brothers come through the youth group. You're not supposed to have favorites, but these two guys actually were one of my favorites. Uh, I love their love for the Lord and their passion. And... Uh, and they went through some hiccups, as we all did. Uh, but I saw how, as they were, became adults, how they just began serving the Lord, just sold out. And their names were Lucas and Marcus Allen, okay? And their son is up here playing in the worship band. How awesome is that? Okay, so I'm standing there, I'm like, oh, God, you are so good. And that's what I'm talking about, is there is nothing like seeing what God can do with the family, it doesn't matter what the age is. It's what God, and I tell you, it's the ride of your life when we work together. We realize we need each other just like any family. So years ago, there was a movie. Uh, it was called Parenthood, and out of that came a great TV show. But this movie uh, had Steve Martin in it, and uh, there's a scene at the very end of it, and I just want to close with it. There's a scene at the very end of this movie, and his wife, he's, he's getting up there in years. He's in his 40s, and she's expecting... He's not real excited about that. Uh, he's stressed about his kids playing Little League, and he's stressed about the future. And so he just unloads on his wife. He's like, oh, my land, I can't take this anymore. She said, you know, you got to face it. Life is messy. And he goes, I don't like messy, okay? And right in the midst of this argument, uh, the little grandma that lives with them, who's probably 90, comes shuffling in. And it's <laughs> awesome. See, you need to go on YouTube and check us out. And she comes in, and here's what she said. You know, when I was 19, Grandpa took me on a roller coaster. Oh, up and down. What a ride. 
I always wanted to ride the roller coaster again. You know, it's so interesting to me that a ride could make me so frightened, so scared, so sick, and so exciting, and so thrilling at the same time. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. Not me. It's the roller coaster. You get a lot more out of it. And then she left. Now, if you know anything about Steve Martin, he's very sarcastic. And the, the wife said, I think your, your grandma's profound. And he said, yeah. Then why is she sitting in the neighbor's you know, car? So anyway, she had shuffled into the... <laughs> but man, I couldn't stop thinking about how powerful that... Isn't that what the church is? If you could describe the church, and if, if the church is an amusement park, and sometimes it is, don't you think the roller coaster is a pretty good description? Life is hard, and, and your struggles are real, but you know what you've got? You've got each other, because you're a family, all of us. Is it messy? Oh, my land, are you kidding me? Yes, it is messy. If you're going to get real, it's going to get messy. So I just want to encourage all of you how proud I am of you, how you reach out to all ages, and all ages really do matter. All ages matter. Man, I can tell you how much we need each other. If you're visiting with us today, first of all, we just want to thank you for being here. And those of you who have been coming for a while, you know that uh, one of our traditions is that we take communion. We do it a little different. We have tables set up in the areas of the room, and it's an opportunity for you uh, to just kind of slow down and allow God to really work on your heart. In Psalms 1. 47.5, we read these words. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. I love that. That when you come to the table, you ever think about that? No matter what you're going for, God is always relevant. His understanding has no limits. So when you come to the table and you break the bread and you drink the juice to remember what Christ has done for you, you can't say, you know, God, you just don't understand what I'm going through. He's already, yeah, I do. I know exactly what you're going through. And I love that about God. Let's pray. God, we are humbly coming before you. And we know there are so many perceptions about you. But Lord, you are so relevant. You don't always say yes because times you say no because... There's this amazing balance between grace and truth and love. And Lord, we also know that you are so relevant for all generations, for everybody that's here. You have complete and total understanding. And for that, we are so thankful. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.